We'll start with Caleb Williams at USC. Probably no bigger shoes to fill in all of college football, knowing what he meant to the Trojans program the last couple years. Hello and welcome in. It's always college football and we only get to do this show once every four years. Guys, it's a leap year edition of Always College Football. Welcome to February 29th, Always College Football 2024. We have a spring preview that we're starting to look forward to. Y'all, it's almost that time of year. We already have several teams in the G5 and the P5 that are competing in spring football right now. We'll answer some questions that are front of mind for Auburn, for Missouri, and for BYU. Another big question for a lot of these teams is they enter into spring. Transfer portal was crazy. The coaching carousel was crazy. All that has started to settle down. All that has started to temper. Now it's about focusing on what you have to replace. So we're going to dive in to the quarterback spot today. There are some massive shoes to fill at a lot of big programs. If you look at some of the Heisman Trophy vote receivers from a year ago, not receivers that received votes, Heisman Trophy vote receivers, guys that received votes, regardless of position, a lot of quarterbacks were on that list, and a lot of them are off to the NFL, or in some cases, they're off to another destination, a la Dylan Gabriel, who is moving from Oklahoma to Oregon to fill the void of Bo Nix. We'll talk about Oregon. We'll talk about Ohio State. We'll talk about Notre Dame. We'll talk about Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels. How can these schools replace them? And who are the guys in line to potentially get the first crack at that significant vacancy? So let's dive in. It's the biggest position in the sport. Let's check out the biggest shoes to fill at quarterback here in 2024. A lot of great quarterbacks departing this year from the college football ranks, all taking their talents to the NFL, some of which actually transferred to different schools, but they leave some pretty significant shoes behind that must be filled. We will start with a couple of guys that have Heisman trophies on their mantle. We'll start with Caleb Williams at USC. Probably no bigger shoes to fill in all of college football, knowing what he meant to the Trojans program the last couple years. 2022 Heisman Trophy winner, Maxwell Award winner, AB Player of the Year, 10,000 career passing yards, 93 career passing touchdowns. That's both at SC and at Oklahoma. So a lot to take into account. And if we were to go into bowl season and think to ourselves, Man, what is USC's quarterback spot going to look like? I think a lot of us, self-included, you guys know this too. I think a lot of us probably thought, yeah, they're probably going to be in the market for a transfer quarterback. That's what we've seen from Lincoln Riley at times. Yes, while he recruited Spencer Rattler, recruited Caleb Williams to Oklahoma, he relied on Caleb Williams to transfer to SC. He also recruited Jalen Hurts, but that was by way of transfer he also had Baker Mayfield that he inherited, kind of, but he was by way of transfer. You look at Kyler Murray, he was by way of transfer. I just thought for sure that, hey, there'd be the likelihood that he's probably going to go to the portal and probably going to be able to attract a pretty dang big fish. And looked like they were going to do that for a minute. Looked like they were going to go in the Will Howard sweepstakes, but instead, Miller Moss went out and completed 23 of 33. For 372 in his first career start in the bowl game that was against Louisville. He also had a bowl record six touchdown passes in that game. And Lincoln Riley, after the game, said, quote, he may have scared off anybody that would want to come here anyway. Now, 
It's pretty amazing when you, when you think about that performance and the inside track that he now has in becoming the starting quarterback at SC. Prior to the bowl game, he had just 59 career attempts, but he was a former ESPN top 40 recruit back in 2021 and just kind of waited his turn. Now, he didn't wait quite as long as Carson Beck did at Georgia, but it's a comparable path. Hey, two years, three years at SC might be better than three or four years at some other place. So I'll just take my time. I'll wait. I'll learn the offense. When I get my chance, I will seize the opportunity. They also went out and got Jordan Mayava from UNLV, who went for over 3,000 yards and 17 touchdowns last year, also ran for nearly 300. So those two might be competing, but right now it's in all likelihood probably going to be Miller Moss. That will be the guy going into 2024, especially after Malachi Nelson decided to transfer to Boise State. Another guy that has a Heisman Trophy is Jaden Daniels. He is departing for the NFL as well. By the way, his draft stock skyrocketing. If you haven't been kind of keeping up, they're not saying he could go as high as number two in the NFL draft, which is awesome. Very happy for Jaden Daniels. He did a great job in his time at LSU and really got better in the last year, taking his game to a whole nother level. He was the AP Player of the Year, the SEC Offensive Player of the Year, led the FBS in total offense, uh, passer rating, rushing touch, rushing yards, ton of other categories. He basically completely took over the game just about every week. So the guy was pretty amazing for sure, but it's pretty obvious exactly who's going to step in at that spot. It's going to be Garrett Nussmeyer. He's a redshirt junior. He's taken his turn, has waited. He was actually in a pretty hotly contested quarterback battle with Jaden Daniels. This was two years ago when Jaden Daniels transferred from Arizona State to LSU. Garrett Nussmeyer took that thing all the way down to the wire. And I actually called Jaden Daniels' first game against Florida State. And nobody knew who was going to be the starting quarterback on the Thursday before the game was played on Sunday. That game was on Sunday. We met with Brian Kelly and company on Thursday. He said, yeah. Uh, right now, we're not 100% sure, but in all likelihood, it'll be Jaden Daniels. We'll let you know officially a couple days from now. They did on Saturday, but that just goes to show you how long that battle went. And I do think that Garrett Nussmeyer has a ton of talent. He's the son of a coach, Doug Nussmeyer, who was a longtime college and NFL coach, uh, and he was a four-star recruit, but sat behind Max Johnson in 21, and then sat behind Daniels the last two years. He has played and has done a pretty good job. He Started the bowl game. I think did a pretty good job uh, in that game against Wisconsin. He also had to play in the second half against Georgia in the 2022 SEC Championship game and threw for 294 yards in the second half of that football game. That's the highest passing total in any half in LSU history. So he's already done a pretty dang good job in limited time. But I think it's going to be him. They did add A.J. Swan from Vanderbilt, but in all likelihood, it's going to be Nussmeyer that will fill that void at the quarterback spot. Next up, we'll go to North Carolina. The guy that's likely to be drafted in the top three, that's Drake May. Now, interestingly enough, Drake May was in a big quarterback competition of himself of his own two years ago. Nobody realized just how good Drake May was going to be. He ended up being pretty amazing. He was the ACC Player of the Year, the ACC Rookie of the Year, through for eight, over 8,000 passing yards and 63 touchdowns over the last two seasons. But there were some runs of inconsistency. But he also showcased, I think, sneaky athletic ability. I don't think he's a crazy great runner, but I think he's a pretty dang good runner. And that will be difficult to replace as well. So they went to the portal, and they got one of the first portal commitments of this past cycle. They went and got Max Johnson from Texas A&M. They also had Connor Harrell 
on their roster. He's a redshirt sophomore. So those, those two will kind of be going toe-to-toe. But the fact that you look at North Carolina and they targeted Max Johnson so early in the process tells me that if they're going to target someone that early, they, they must feel pretty good about how he's going to fit into their offense, right? I mean, if you're going to go after someone that quickly, knowing that very few have even entered the portal at that point, they must feel, all right, this guy is going to transition really nicely into what we want to do. And we've seen Johnson at times be very effective with his legs as well. Now, he started his college career back in 2020 in COVID, started throughout the 2021 season, has had some good moments. That was back at LSU, had a couple of good performances in that season against Louisiana Monroe and Texas A&M, thought for sure he was going to be the quarterback of the future, decided to transfer to A&M, but was ultimately beaten out by Connor Wigman, even though Wigman got hurt last year early in the season. So he's the likely favorite to be the replacement for Drake May. He's a big lefty with some athleticism. It's just the decision-making and processing from time to time is not always up to the same speed as some of the guys that are going to run that style of offense at the highest possible level. So hopefully Johnson could take some strides in that area of his game. The defending national champions, J.J. McCarthy, uh, he is now off to the NFL. He was 27-1 and as the starting quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines, the lone loss coming to TCU in the semifinal two years ago. But he finished his career by winning a national championship, uh, by winning a couple of Big Ten championships as the starter. He was a part of the team that won the championship three years ago, but that was more in situational play. He had a very efficient career. 22 touchdowns, four interceptions in 23, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions in 22. In 23, he completed over 72% of his passes, so there's a lot to like about his consistency. The question about him is he was never really asked to do that much, right? I kind of disagree with that notion. Now, while he wasn't asked to throw for 5,000 yards, doesn't mean he couldn't. I think when he was asked to make a play, and we look back to the national championship, there were two throws in that game that were big-time throws. I mean, really big-time throws. He threw an over route over the top of the defender underneath another defender. That was for a big play early in the game. And then the play that really broke it open, it was back and forth, defensive struggle. He broke it open by hitting his tight end right over the middle, and he scampers for a big run. Those were two big-time throws. And not being asked to do a lot, man, those were throws that were under some significant pressure. So who is in contention to replace him? Alex Orgy, probably the leader in the clubhouse, based on how he's already showcased his athleticism, more as a change of pace player, but that was how J.J. McCarthy was kind of brought on early in his career. And then Jaden Davis, who's a freshman. You also have to think, too, will they be a player in the portal at some point? In the event in which a guy gets beaten out, will they go to the portal in May and say, yeah, you know, we'll take that guy as well, just to kind of fortify what we have on our depth chart. Maybe a veteran, a guy that's played before. We've seen great players transfer in May to become the starting quarterback in August and go on to have great careers. The one that comes to mind first is Joe Burrow. Now, that was a couple years ago. He didn't have the best year in 2018, but we all remember what he did in 2019. He was incredible. So I think they'll probably be a player in the portal, but for now, it could be a two-horse race at least this spring. You look at Davis, I think everyone's a little familiar with what Orgy is. He, He averages almost six yards a carry last year. 
at 123 rushing yards and three touchdowns in his two years, uh, but only one career pass attempt. But Davis, people aren't as familiar with him, uh, was pretty highly recruited back in 2024, um, was a top 120, 140 recruit, depending on what service you use. So he is a guy that they did have high hopes for when he was in the recruiting process. Washington has massive shoes to fill, not just with their coaching staff and their departure for Alabama, but Michael Penix is gone. The Heisman runner-up, 2023 Maxwell Award winner, second-team AP All-American, led the FBS with nearly 5,000 passing yards and threw for 36 touchdowns. That was the third most in the country while completing 65% of his passing. You look at his yards per attempt, that 65% number is going to be really difficult to replicate. And for a moment... For a moment, you were looking at Washington, you're like, man, they are in a tough spot. Because Will Rogers, who had transferred from Mississippi State, was back in the portal after Kalen DeBoer ultimately left for Alabama. So you thought for a second that maybe Noah Fafita from Arizona would follow Jed Fish to Washington to replace Michael Penix. Well, Fafita decided to stay back at Arizona, which means... They were in a tough spot at quarterback. It might be Demond Williams, who's a freshman, to transfer from Arizona. There's no telling where this thing could go. But cooler heads prevailed. Will Rogers decided to return back to Washington, which I think was massive. And I actually think it's going to be a good fit for him. The guy's been really effective, granted, in a an offense that was more air raid in its principles. But he's thrown for nearly 9,000 career passing yards. Has had big-time experience in 2021 and 2022 at Mississippi State under Mike Leach. And then last year under Zach Arnett, things were not quite as comfortable, but I think he's a great competitor. I think he's pretty accurate. I think he's got a chance, a chance to be very, very effective in this offense, assuming they're going to be running an offense that's very similar to what we saw at Arizona a year ago. So it will be interesting, I think, to see how long does this quarterback contest go? Because it's really Will Rogers, who's, 60-year player against a couple of guys that were freshmen and are really inexperienced but have talent. So we'll see exactly how Jed Fish decides to enter into the Big Ten in their first year in their new conference. Florida State, massive shoes to fill, and we found that out last year. Jordan Travis was about as important to his team's success as just about anybody in all of college football. I think he finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting. On my ballot, I had him second. That's how good I thought he was. I thought Jaden Daniels was the best and was the most invaluable player on the roster there for LSU. But for Florida State, Jordan Travis, his absence could not be overstated. 2023 ACC Player of the Year, threw for 2,700 passing yards, just two interceptions in his 11 games played there in 23. He was a first-team All-ACC player in 23 after being second-team in 2022. So... Who are they going to have to replace him? Right now, I think all signs point to DJ Uwe Angelale. Now, he's transferring over back to the ACC. Remember, he started his career at Clemson. He went to Oregon State. Thought he had a very solid season, by the way. Uh, quietly, he didn't put up ridiculous numbers, but I thought he actually handled things very well in an offense that was certainly leaning towards the run. But if you look at what he did, I think he did a really good job. Career high in passing yards, over 2,600. 21 touchdowns. That was one shy of his career high at Clemson. Although his completion percentage dropped, but the passes and the yards per attempt were a little bit better than what we saw at times 
with Clemson. We know he's 6'4". We know he's 250. Has all the tools that you could want, but he's got a very different skill set from that of Jordan Travis. I expect this offense to change drastically because Mike Norvell's a really good coach. He's not going to put his quarterback, DJ Uyunglele, in a position to run an offense that doesn't really suit his skill set. So I think you're going to see more downhill run. I think you're going to see more back to the defense play action. I think you're going to see more passes down the field and not as much on the RPO that we saw over the last few years with Jordan Travis. Now, Uyunglele is going to have to play well. He's also a capable runner, too. So... While Travis was more an improvisational runner, Uyungle is a guy that can get some yards between the tackles. He had 545 rushing yards for Clemson two years ago, so I think he could be a factor in the ground attack to kind of offset that run game that they're likely going to lean on heavily. In the event in which he doesn't play well, expect Brock Glenn to get another long look. Now, it's going to need to be some improvement after having some struggles in the ACC title game in the Orange Bowl, but... I do think their skill set is there, and it does feel like Mike Norvell and his staff feel really confident in Brockland's future there in Tallahassee. At Oregon, they have to replace Bo Nix. He was the Heisman Trophy finalist, third in the voting, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year, Maxwell and Johnny Unitas Golden Award a Golden Arm Award finalist. He also led the FBS in completion percentage last year at 77.4%. He had a very, very good career. People will look back to his time at Auburn and they'll say, well, you know, it just never amounted to what they thought it was going to amount to. That's because the expectations were so astronomically high. He did a lot of good things at Auburn. It just, he didn't reach his ceiling until he got to Oregon and he got with Will Stein, his offensive coordinator, and they finally kind of put together an offense that would make him really comfortable. Now they did a really good job of targeting a veteran in the portal that has played a ton of football. Dylan Gabriel transfers to Oregon from Oklahoma. Dante Moore also transfers to Oregon. He was at UCLA last year, but now he'll go to a place that he was originally committed to back in the recruiting process. Gabriel has played so much football. I mean, he has played so much football. He's completed four seasons in college football. He was all league in three of those four seasons. Uh, He comes to Oregon with staggering numbers, nearly 15,000 career passing yards, 125 touchdowns, and over 1,000 career completions. He also is coming off of a career-high 69% completion last year, and if you look at kind of the way he was able to increase his efficiency in 23 as compared to 22, you got to feel like there's maybe a little bit more in the tank. Now, they have a lot a lot of really good playmakers at his disposal. So if he just does what Bo Nix does, and that be accurate on the underneath passing attack, be decisive by getting the ball out really quickly and making sure that on occasion, yeah, he'll have to buy some time with his legs, but he's shown the ability to do that over and over again. That'll be terrific, and he'll be able to bridge that gap very nicely, where in time, Dante Moore is going to be the future, but probably not here in 2023. A little bit bumpy, There in year number one, but he's got a big arm, great pocket passer, and was the number two recruit overall in the 2023 class, according to some of the recruiting services. So we'll keep a close eye on his development, but I don't expect to see him in any meaningful time this year, hopefully, assuming Dylan Gabriel stays healthy from start to finish here in this upcoming season. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Oklahoma has to replace Dylan Gabriel. We've already talked about what Dylan Gabriel did. We just went through it over and over and over again with all the things that he's bringing now to the Oregon Ducks. But he was a very effective player. The good news is they have homegrown talent in Jackson Arnold that's now going into his sophomore year that will be the guy moving forward. Now, thought for a moment, thought for a moment that Gabriel might be going to the NFL. So it felt like regardless of what he decided to do. Hey, was he going to the NFL? Is he going to go play somewhere else in the portal? Either way, it's probably going to be Jackson Arnold in 24. And they now go get Seth Luttrell, new offensive coordinator, former head coach, the North Texas Mean Green. I love the hire. I love Seth Luttrell. I think he's a great, great offensive mind. And the transition now from where they were with Jeff Levy to Seth Luttrell is going to be very seamless. And Arnold, who has kind of gotten comfortable running a specific scheme, the transition for him won't be very difficult. He was highly recruited in his own right. We talked about Dante Moore a second ago, who's the number two recruit. Well, Arnold was the number three recruit back in the 23 class. Ton of talent. Uh, and there were some pretty bright spots in his first year as a Sooner quarterback. Threw for over 560 yards, four touchdowns. Did have three interceptions, but did play in seven games. And he, of course, got the start in the Alamo Bowl against Arizona, where there were some positives. You know, over 360 passing yards and a couple touchdowns, but there were also some really bad decisions made in that game. So, probably need to clean those things up, but that's going to happen in time over the course of spring, summer, and then, of course, in fall camp. He also has some athleticism. He can run the football. He's not going to be a guy that's going to take over the game with his legs, but he does have that ability if needed. They also went out and got an insurance policy in adding Casey Thompson, who is the son of former offensive uh, Oklahoma quarterback Charles Thompson, but he started several games at Texas, has been at Nebraska has been at FAU and has twice in his career gone over 2,100 passing yards. So that's a pretty good insurance policy if, God forbid, something were to happen to Jackson Arnold. A couple more before we shut this thing down because there's a lot of quarterbacks that are departing, but the couple more notables that we want to make sure we talk about them. Ohio State, while looking at Kyle McCord's numbers, you're not going to be blown away. You're not. Uh, but he finished second in the Big Ten in passing yards, threw for over 3,100 yards, second in the Big Ten in passing touchdowns, 24. Uh, he also completed nearly 66% of his passing attempts. So there were some really bright moments for Colin McCord last year. 
It took him a little while to kind of get control. And while people look at the 11 to 1 record and say, well, you know, that's not good enough. Well, pretty good year. <laughs> pretty good year by all accounts. But I do think there is a possible scenario where they could have upgraded here. And Will Howard might be that guy. I think Will Howard is that good. Now, everybody was after him in the portal. And Ohio State is ultimately where he decided to go. So, Ryan Day is giving over play calling duties to Chip Kelly, which is going to be awesome. I'm excited to see Chip Kelly's run emphasis meshed with the play-action passing attack with Will Howard. We know they have great weapons on the perimeter. We know that. But now marrying it all together, it's going to be fascinating to see how that all blends together. Very excited about how this could work, especially knowing the running back tandem that Will Howard's going to have at his disposal. I'd be surprised if both those guys are on the field flanking Will Howard throughout the course of the season. They also, I think, bring in a guy that has had a lot of really good moments. Now, 5,700 passing yards, 48 touchdowns. He also is a better athlete than I think people realize. Rushed for almost 1,000 yards in his career up to this point. Now, 27 starts, but nearly 1,000 yards, that's pretty sporty. 19 touchdowns on the ground as well. Plus, he has been pretty efficient. 39 touchdowns against just 14 interceptions over the last two years. The problem is the completion percentages have not been exactly where you want them to be. So he's got to be a little bit more efficient in this offense, but this offense is really formulated to create efficiencies for the quarterback. So I think they should be okay with that for sure. Devin Brown, he competed with Kyle McCord, but you know whether or not his ankle injury was going to get, the, he obviously got the start against Missouri. Where will he fit into this competition? And then they added Julian Sayan, who is a transfer from Alabama, but was the top quarterback in ESPN's top 300 and the number three overall player in the 2024 class. So him, along with Aaron Noland, they have very deep quarterback crop. They have plenty of options, but Will Howard is likely to be the guy here in 2024. And then finally, last but not least, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They have to replace Sam Hartman. Now, statistically, he's the ACC record holder for career touchdown passes. That was at Wake Forest. He had a pretty good year last year, 24 touchdowns against eight interceptions in just one season with Notre Dame. He had eight games in which he had multiple touchdown passes and four in which he completed more than 72% of his passes. But 15,000 career passing yards, not a lot of guys can say they have that type of experience having played under center. The problem with Sam Hartman, there were moments when the pass rush clearly got to him. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Notre Dame can bring out the best in Riley Leonard, the transfer from Duke. Now, for the second straight year, Notre Dame went into the portal. They looked at the ACC quarterback crop and they landed their guy. They clearly targeted Riley Leonard early in the process, and it was no doubt where he was going to end up when he decided to enter the portal, even though there was a little buzz about him possibly following his head coach to Texas A&M. He's got big-time dual-threat capability. Big time. The guy is a tremendous athlete. Tremendous. Like He can really run. Averaged almost six yards a carry, added 700 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns. That was back in 2022, but that was the last year that he was really fully healthy. He threw the ball with a lot of efficiency that year as well, nearly 3,000 yards passing and 20 touchdowns in the air. The problem is he does miss some throws, but guess what? Jaden Daniels also at times missed some throws early in his development at both Arizona State and early in his career at LSU. And Mike Denbrock, the offensive coordinator 
at LSU has now moved to Notre Dame. He brought out the best in Jaden Daniels. Will he bring out the best in Riley Leonard? I happen to think he will. I also think that Notre Dame has a really capable second option. Now, Steve Angeli is not going to blow people away with his mobility. That's not who he is. But as a pocket passer, I think he's really accurate. Completed 79% of his passes, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions in the Sun Bowl against Oregon State. And last year finished 7-1 to one touchdown inter- interception ratio for the season. So in the event in which Riley Leonard's ankle doesn't allow him to get real comfortable in the offense, they can turn it over to a guy in Steve Angeli that's going to be a little bit more from the pocket, but is very accurate on the downfield throws as well. And then for the third quarterback, they have C.J. Carr, who was ESPN's number 38 overall recruit in the 2024 class. But we probably won't see him on the field anytime soon, assuming everyone stays healthy in South Bend. All right, you just ripped off the last two Heisman winners, three playoff quarterbacks from last year, first-round picks, nonstop. Can you give me like a ranking top three, four, who you think is in the best position to succeed right away out of every quarterback you just said? I mean, there's a lot going on with all those guys and where they're going. I think Garrett Nussmeyer is in a great position to be successful at LSU. Very optimistic about Will Howard's transition. I just don't think he's going to have to carry the load the way C.J. Stroud did and other quarterbacks have done at Ohio State. But I think with how their offense is likely going to morph under Chip Kelly, knowing that Ryan Day is going to hand things over completely, I really think he's going to be in a great spot to be successful. And then finally, I'll go with Riley Leonard. While there are question marks, For me, with Riley Leonard, the biggest question mark is the accuracy on throws that travel more than 10 yards, but that's not that uncommon. And it's hard to gauge last year because if you look at the numbers, statistically speaking, he's in the 120s as far as accuracy and completion percentage on throws that travel 10 or more yards downfield. But how many of those were because of a bummed ankle? He tried to fight through it. He was tough as nails and showcased that all season. But man, if your ankles aren't good and you're not rooted in the ground, it's really hard to be accurate, especially on throws that travel downfield. So I'm very optimistic about Riley Leonard as well. I think he's got a chance to have a big year. Spring practice is starting to get underway. And we're going to do this for all the Power 5 teams. And then when we get in the summer, we will review a G5 team or two because, guys, 12-team playoff era is here. The G5 is in the mix to compete for the national championship. But some spring practice dates that have gotten underway so far. February 27th, just a couple days ago, Missouri and Auburn got underway, the two earliest Power 5 schools to get things going. On the 29th, that's today, Bowling Green and BYU will get underway. And then on the 2nd, North Texas We'll get underway. So we're going to do a little spring preview, okay? It's not going to be, we're not going to go deep in the weeds just yet, y'all. We have all summer to dive into all these questions and storylines. So I'm going to select just one, just one from Missouri, BYU, and Auburn. One storyline that I am most intrigued by heading into spring. Does that work? Because for Auburn, for BYU, for, for Missouri, I originally had like seven and we just, we don't have time to do all those, but we will. Don't worry. We got time. We have time down the road, just not in today's episode. Let's start with Auburn. Just going to go with Auburn here to start. The biggest question to me is, will Peyton Thorne hold on to that quarterback spot? That's a huge question. Because if you look at Peyton Thorne, there were some moments last year that were pretty good, right? There were some moments that were pretty good. Now, I thought there were a lot of inconsistencies 
with the accuracy from time to time. But I also don't think his receiver core helped him out very much. I think the receiver core was one of the most underwhelming receiver cores in the entire SEC. But I also look at some of the newcomers that are now stepping in, and while they'll be young, the guys like Cam Coleman, very optimistic about how he could step right in and be a difference maker at the wide receiver spot. I look at the running back tandem. Those guys are going to be good. I think the offensive line, they really solidified as the season went along last year, but Peyton Thorne was just up and down. There were times in which he looked like he was looking at the rush. There were times in which it didn't look like he was going through his progressions downfield. He would kind of get a little bit lost. He might see some ghosts. So will he hold on to the quarterback spot? Because there is real competition. There is real competition on the planes right now at that spot because you bring in Walker White, a four-star, into that quarterback room. That's a big-time competitor, and we know Hugh Freeze has a really long runway right now. Now, he can't go 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five for the next two or three years, but he might say, hey, you know what, Peyton Thorne, Walker White, you guys are really close. I'm going to go with the younger option of the two because now we might have some chances to grow. And then two or three years from now, when we're really starting to expect to be competing for championships, Walker White might be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. So he is now into the mix. But don't sleep on Hank Brown and Holden Gurner. All right? They remain exactly where they are as the second and third string quarterbacks, respectively. But Hank Brown might try to capitalize and, and try to surpass Gurner, maybe challenge Walker White, maybe challenge Peyton Thorne for some snaps. Now, I think everybody that's analyzing this is kind of assuming that it's going to be Walker White as the second quarterback on the roster. But I think that's a dangerous assumption. Because I think Hank Brown's a good player. I think Holden Gurner's a, a, a guy that the staff was very high on last year. So this will be fascinating. Not just to see whether or not Peyton Thorne leaves spring as the number one quarterback. I think that's likely. But who's two? Who's three? And who's four? And in the event that number four doesn't want to stick around, number four could be a really nice piece to pick up. Possibly. Possibly now in the transfer portal. So we'll keep a very close eye on that. Missouri is up next. Biggest question mark for Missouri. They lost their defensive coordinator. And I think Blake Baker, who is now at LSU, getting paid handsomely to coordinate the defense at LSU, by the way, one of the highest paid coordinators in the sport, and rightfully so, he has earned that and deserves it. But new defensive coordinator Corey Batoon, he's stepping in and he runs a little bit of a different scheme than what they've had success with the last couple of years. Now, Corey Batoon ran kind of a 3-3-5 scheme at South Alabama, but Eli Drinkwitz has already been outspoken and saying, hey, they're going to keep playing that 4-2-5 defensive look that matches the current personnel and that they found some success with. So that means Corey Batoon is going to have to adjust more to what it is that Missouri's done, not that Missouri is going to have to adjust to what how, how Corey Batoon has done things, but he's really well-respected. He's got a good track record and should fit in with the staff that seems to be very much on the same page. Now, they will have some new leaders on that side of the ball. The expectations for Missouri are sky high and understandably so. They had an amazing year last year. An amazing year, 11-2 and record, second place in the division, go to a New Year's Six Bowl game, you beat Ohio State. That's a lot of boxes checked for Eli Drinkwitz, and now you look at their odds to make the playoff next year. 
I don't think Missouri's had expectations in the preseason that are this significant in quite some time, but there are a lot of new faces that'll be stepping up on that defensive side. A couple of names that are not going to be there. So finding adequate replacements for the these guys I'm about to mention will not be easy. Darius Robinson, Tyrone Hopper, Chad Bailey, Chris Abrams-Strain, Ennis Rakestraw, J.C. Carlisle, Realist George, uh, Jaden Jernigan. And these guys are all veteran leaders. So leaving all those guys in the midst of turnover, even though your coordinator and your defensive scheme is likely to stay the same, the coordinator is new, and a lot of the voices that you're going to hear in that defensive huddle are new as well. So very, very encouraged by what they've built, very encouraged by them embracing the expectations, but I do know that that defense is something they need to kind of figure out because it's going to be a lot different and a lot of new faces on that side of the ball from what they used with a lot of success last year. And then BYU... The biggest thing for BYU, last year in the Big 12, y'all, it was disappointing. If you look at BYU's talent on their roster, last year, just guys that stepped on the field, they were talented. The problem is it was continuity that was a massive issue. I mean, that was a massive issue. When they kicked off the 2023 season, they started 10 newcomers. 10. So that, I think, was difficult. It led to some inefficiencies offensively. It led to some some mistakes, potentially you know more so up front than pretty much anywhere else. I think there was a there was kind of an underappreciated aspect of BYU's roster where they thought, hey, you know, we got to kind of plug and play, and we got to upgrade some talent because we're moving to the Big Twelve, moving to the Power Five. So as a result, roster continuity kind of went out the window. They brought in sixty newcomers last year. That number is going to be a whole heck of a lot smaller this year. And hopefully, instead of looking to the portal, they kind of focused their attention on roster retention. That should hopefully lead to improved quarterback play. That should improve, I think, progress at the skill positions like at wide receiver. They return every starter from a year ago. In 2023, pretty much everyone last year at wide receiver was for the most part new. BYU's a little thin at running back, but you have a clear-cut starter back in LJ Martin. Tight end, there are a lot fewer answers at that position. They lost Isaac Rex at the NFL, but they've moved Keanu Hill to wide, from wide receiver to tight end. So you think that maybe they're going to adjust the way they kind of approach it schematically. But I do think progress, because of continuity, will be beneficial for BYU moving in to spring of 2024. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Continue to ask all of you to like, rate, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your show. We appreciate so much. Those of you that have downloaded the podcast, it's been awesome. Those of you that come to us via the ESPN YouTube channel, subscribe to that ESPN College Football page. We're going to continue to talk spring football. Going to be continue to talk about all the different pieces that need to be replaced for some of the contending teams. We still have coaching grades to get into. We still have spring football previews that we need to get into. And then we have all summer to do preseason top 25s coaching carousel that might still continue when the portal opens up just a couple months from now. So it never stops here in college football. Now it's a lot different. It's a lot different than it used to be. We used to take a nice long pause between January when the national champion was crowned and April when we had some spring games. Now this thing is nonstop and we will be here with you all along the way. We also want to thank our friends at Holderness and Born who have decided to outfit the show moving forward. So check out our friends Holderness and Born. They have amazing polos, amazing clothes, cover pullovers, sweaters, pants, shorts, you name it. The best possible golf and leisure apparel that you can find. So check them out. 
at holdernessandborn.com. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Mark, Jake, Jack, I'm Greg. We hope you have an amazing day, and remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.